Let's say it together. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the land that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as they learn. The Lord God. Yes. And now, <laughs> nor did I turn away. Was that a trick? Let us pray. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for tonight. Just as we have confessed in that scripture, Lord, let our ears be opened to hear you tonight and to know you more at the end of this meeting. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Today's uh, topic is fixing your thoughts. Uh, Pastor Angela has been teaching a series now about deliverance. And um, on Sunday, she was talking about um, some of the things that, how the ideas come to people and how the strongholds you know, bind people up. As if she knew that, um, of course, God knows. So, uh, this was what has been on my own heart for some weeks now. In fact, since January, fixing your thoughts on the right things. And um, I'll just tell you a small story before I start. There was a very uh, short man. He's probably like five feet like me. He was going to get married and he, he wanted to pick his best man. Usually people pick their chief bridesmaid and their best man to be like similar height, kind of. And so he decided to choose someone who was like six feet five. So every time he told the brother, you know, you're going to be my best man. The brother said, he just thought, I mean, this is a true story. The brother said, Every time he said that, he didn't know how to tell him that, bro, this, I don't think that will work. I'll be taller than you and I'll be behind you and that's not going to work. So he kept pushing it away. And then one day he was bold enough to say, let's assume the brother's name, uh, brother Jacob was the one getting married. Brother Jacob, have you considered the fact that I'm so much taller than you and it's not going to make a good picture for us to... For me to be your best man. The guy looked at him. So you think you're taller than me? I don't see you that way. I've always seen you as the same height with me. Did that change the fact that they were, I mean, one foot, five inches apart? It didn't change it. But in his mind, in brother Jacob's mind, he was the same height with our other brother. That's how powerful your thoughts can be. It can make you literally believe even something that is not right. And that's what the enemy capitalizes when he brings some thoughts to us. They are not true, but he gets us to a place where we can believe them. So let's look at what fixing means. For those that are like handymen or bricklayers or, um, you know, general people who work on buildings... When you're talking about fixing, probably has to do with uh, putting back together something that is broken. And today, what is broken that we're talking about is our thoughts and the, our thought pattern. Many of them are broken, and we're going to try and fix them. Fixing has to do with planning, repairing, 
fastening. So whatever the thoughts you have in your mind, as long as it's not in line with what the Word says, what God says, then it needs fixing. So tonight we're going to be agreeing upon the things that need to be fixed and we're going to rearrange some of them. It just needs rearrangement. And we'll see a story in the Bible where uh, the words just needed to be rearranged and some words taken out because that was not what God said. But the enemy came and decided to say, that's what God said. We're going to rearrange some things. We're going to set some things in place. And we're going to settle some things. And we're going to talk about how to do that. And a thought is usually an idea uh, or opinion that is produced by thinking about something. Sometimes you could have a thought about something that just flashes in your head. That could be a thought. But sometimes it's something that you're thinking about, you're, you're dwelling on it, maybe you're studying something, reading a book, and it just, it's, you're, you're thinking about it for a long time. Thoughts are your perception of a thing or a situation. Brother Jacob's perception of the other brother who was much taller was that they were of same height and it didn't matter. He could be his best man. And truly, he was the best man because he didn't care. He said, I, I, I don't see you as any taller than I am. Can you imagine five foot and six foot five? That's really tall. Okay, so we're going to take our first scriptures from um, Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. We're going to first think about what the thoughts of God are. That's a popular scripture. And every product, everything that anybody starts to make, starts with a thought. I remember one of my sons said to me one day, um, I'm going to make... You know, kids these days don't want to do anything really hard. He said, Mom, instead of waking up and trying to find the clothes that I'm going to wear, I'm going to create an app. I'm going to create something that's just going to, you know, put the clothes together for me. As I'm thinking it, it's just putting it together. So I was like, that's really lazy. He said, no. He said, that's the way. We're going forward. We're moving forward. And you know, he told me recently that somebody already did it. And I'm like, somebody's already working on that? For real? He said yes. But when he thought about it, and he talked about it, I thought that was a joke. It can't even be a thing that anybody would be thinking about. But the other day we were talking about it, he said, oh, someone's already working on it, so I'm looking for something else. And then he started thinking again about another thing that I'll probably leave him to share because... That had to do with even church, the Bible, and all that. And I'm like, these thoughts that you're having, they're really great thoughts. But that's how products come to be. So, there's no product. The, the phone we have and the Bible, everything we have, starts with somebody thinking about it and creating it. So tonight, what are we creating with our own thoughts? What are we thinking about what is that thing that fills our minds the bible says i think in psalm 8 somewhere there the psalmist said who is man that you are mindful of man he was talking about god god's mind is full of us is our own mind full of god 
Can God say the same thing about us that, oh, if you get to Gladys, all she's thinking about is God. Even as we're sitting here, some of us are thinking about maybe dinner, if we've not had dinner. Some of us are thinking about some other things. As your mind, I can't see your mind, but God can see it. And the psalmist was asking, who am I that your mind is so filled with me? Can God boast about us that our minds are filled with him day and night? There's a song they sang here on Sunday. It says, day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Uh, is incense arising from our mouth, from our hearts to God? Is God seeing that, okay, if I look at Gladys at any time, I would only see myself there, a reflection of myself. Because that's what God wants us, that's where he wants us to be. Isaiah 55, 8-9, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Wow. And what did God do with his thoughts? Let's look at Genesis 3. We'll read, it's a long chapter we're going to read through um, so many of the verses there. What did God do with his thoughts? In Genesis 2, God's thoughts brought about creation, brought about everything to be. That was the example we're supposed to follow. In Genesis 2, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, God was creating. The Bible says, he said, as he was thinking it, it was coming into existence. Then we get to chapter 3. What did Adam and Eve do with their thoughts? The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Was that what God said? No. But Eve that he was talking to probably didn't have a good understanding of what God had said. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Was Was that what God said? I don't think so. Not exactly. So, it's been twisted. And I think... Personally, Eve was having too long a conversation with the enemy. So, how do we have those kind of conversations with the enemy? The enemy brings a thought to you, and you're thinking about it. You're dwelling on it. Before you know it, you're already really thinking about it way away from the thoughts of God. Because you didn't checkmate it. And it says... And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Verse 5. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What did Eve have to... What was she doing entertaining these thoughts? We all know that the serpent in the natural world cannot speak words. So these were thoughts. He was firing these arrows at her mind, at her thought pattern. And he was telling her everything. And he, she kept listening. How do we listen to the devil like that? 
He brings one thought. I, I saw a picture recently of someone. And just by seeing that picture, the devil took my mind to all the possible outcomes. All the possible outcomes. And I was saying, God, but this is not your promise. Why is this happening? This is not what you promised me. Your word says this. Even after quoting that word, my mind will still wander again. That picture doesn't look like something someone can recover from. And I was looking at that picture. And the enemy was magnifying that picture. The enemy was making the picture look like reality. Meanwhile, the word of God was supposed to be more real. And God knew where I was. And that's why you have to stay in touch with God. God knew where I was. I was just sitting in my office and the Facebook, uh, um, uh, a sister that I know just popped up on Facebook and said, God just told her to pray with a few people, whoever can jump on the line. So I kind of pressed it. That's unusual. And that day, I didn't have an assessment going on at that time because I would not even have been able to do that. I think we were about 17 on that prayer call that day. It was in the around mid-morning. And all she said was, you know, God told me that there's someone here with a very, very hopeless situation. You're looking at that picture and it looks like there's nothing that can be done about it. God says, if you can believe me, it's up to you. You can believe me, I will fix it. And I said, okay, that's me because I'm looking at the picture. It's very hopeless, but... This is the word of the Lord. And I grabbed onto that word. I said, God, I believe you. Help my unbelief. I can't even say I have the faith. I have whatever it takes to hold on. But just help me. And by the end of that, because she shared a few scriptures. By the end of the prayer, it was like 10 minutes on, the, on that prayer line. Another sister on the prayer line said, Brethren, please, as you leave this place, Whatever you have believed God for, hold on to it because he says he's doing it. I left that place rejoicing. I jumped up in my office. I said, God, thank you. He was seeing my thoughts. He was seeing how it was flipping, flipping back and forth. But I can tell you that if it wasn't flipping into the word of God, I probably would not have had that encounter that I had. If it was just like, just going deep down, it would have been a little difficult to get me back out of it. And just after I finished that prayer session, a very dear sister called me from Michigan, and she said, when can we fast and pray together? I said, today, I haven't eaten anything. I'm actually fasting, so we can wait on the Lord today. So she said, so let's go. I haven't eaten either, and I've been praying, and the Holy Spirit told me to call you so we can fast. And then we did the fast and pray. The next day, someone was coming from work and she calls me and says, how is your day? How is your morning? Um, can I stop by? I just want to pray with you. After a 12-hour shift and she actually stops by to pray with me, what do you think was happening? God was placing those people and those things in my path because my thoughts needed to be in line. They needed to be in the right place or else uh, the devil was going to take me to a place where I would just say, okay, there's no way. These are the kind of pictures I see when people are about to go. Being a nurse, I mean, I see that. This, there's no coming out of this. There's no, but the Lord knew 
where my thoughts were. And the word of God that I was trying to, grappling with, trying to hold on to, God just started to blast me with the word. Everywhere I looked, it was the word to just make me strong. And the devil was telling, and the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. God never discussed all this with them, with Adam and Eve. But Eve took time to listen. And I seriously wonder where Adam was in all this conversation. Eve was busy having a party. We can't have a party with the devil. Uh, there's a saying in Africa, if you, want to eat, if you must eat with the devil, you've got to eat with a long spoon. That means you've got to be very far. That's, that's, that's a saying that you don't get close to the devil thinking that you're going to be fine. And if um, people get tempted, if you know there are certain things that draw you out of the will of God, run away from the scenario. Whatever scenario will box you into sinning against God, into thinking evil thoughts, then get away from that scenario. Don't stay there and say, I'm strong. I'm going to cast out this devil. I'm going to do this. No. There's a place to flee. Joseph had to flee. He, had to, he left his coat. He ran away because he knew that the more he stayed in front of Potiphar's wife, the, the, the chances of him getting into sin with her was very heavy there. So don't try to prove that you, uh, um, you're too strong to fall. Nobody is too strong to fall. The enemy comes very subtly. The Bible says that the serpent came, more, he was more subtle than any other animal. He would come in a way that he knows it will be hard for you to resist. That picture was something I could see. And I can flip my phone and look at that picture over and over again. But now when I look at that picture, I say, no, you're not dying. You're not going anywhere because that's not what God told me. I can stand upon the promises of God, you know, concerning uh, my loved one. He says, and when the woman saw, she not only heard, she saw <laughs> that the tree was good for food. How do you... You know, I buy strawberry from Walmart sometimes. And I get home, my mom keeps saying, stop buying the strawberry. And it's so kind of acidic, it's not sweet. And I say, oh my God, it's not sweet, I can't even eat it. So we've got to blend it into smoothies and drink it that way. Now, how did Eve look at a fruit on the tree and said it was good? That was error. The, the, the devil was messing up with her mind and she was flowing with it she said oh it was good for food had she tasted it before she looked at it and said it was good for food uh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes hmm. and a tree to be desired to make one wise who told her that the enemy but she didn't know that she didn't know to checkmate the enemy she, she just went along, went along with what the enemy was saying. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. That brings me to the fact that when people are in sin, they want you to be in sin too. 
they welcome you, whether it's the sin of gossip or the sin of malice or the sin of anger, when they are in that box, they tell you, it's okay, join me. Yeah, it's fine. We can all do kumbaya in here. Eve, <laughs> Eve had tasted of that fruit. She knew it was wrong, but she gave it to her husband. You know, sometimes I think if Adam never ate that fruit, maybe it would have been a different outcome now. I don't know if it would have been half and half, sinner, sinner town or sinner nation and holy nation. I don't know. But if Adam had not eaten that fruit, but instead of her thinking about, okay, I already made a mistake. I don't want my husband to make that mistake. She said, come on, let's make the mistake together. What can God do? And God did show them what he could do. Because he's a just God. He's a righteous God. He's a faithful God. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. And he has to balance all those, all those attributes. He's not going to let one go. He's a merciful God. That's why he has given us all this time to come to him. All this time to align ourselves to him. He's given us grace. That's why he's a merciful God. But he's also a just God. Or else, uh, I was listening to one of these uh, ministers sometime, I think last week or so. And um, he has uh, an autistic son. I'm sure maybe it's somebody that you guys also know. I don't want to mention his name. But he was saying, God is God. Some people ask him, how come you have an autistic son? And his question is, who else should have the autistic son? God is a just God. If God gave me an autistic son, he gave me grace to be able to take care of that child. But with the way I preach, some people are asking, with the way healing goes on in my ministry, people are asking me, why, how come God allowed you, your only son, to be autistic? And he said, God will not be fair if he is only giving people who don't know him autistic children or special need children. No, he can distribute it anyhow he likes. And I believe, uh, I work with special need kids. I believe that those kids, at the end of the day, make us better people. I leave their homes when we used to visit. It's, this COVID has really created a lot of mess. We can't visit them anymore. But when we used to visit, even on the video, I laugh with many of these kids. And I see the struggle that the parents are going through taking care of these kids. But when you ask them if they want to trade those kids for something else, they don't want to. Most of the ones I talk to, they don't. It's, it's, it's a lot of work, but... Some, one of them told me that her baby, who was already an adult, but of course her baby, made them as a family eat dinner together every night. Because when they started to notice that she was not like the other kids, they now started making adjustments. And they can't be doing that at the restaurant every day. That brought them together as a family, gave them quality time. She said she cannot buy that any day. And that's how you know that this one is seeing the purpose why God gave her what the gift that God gave her at the time that God gave it to her. She's not feeling, oh, this is too much. This is Yes, there are times that it can be overwhelming. Even just taking care of Dan 
can be overwhelming sometimes. So, and that's an adult that can even do things for himself. Talk less of a child who can't, and this is your child. One of their biggest fears is, when I leave the scene, who's going to take care of my child? That's a big question. And I ask them that. Sometimes they don't have anybody. The people they have are a kind of about their own age. So those are questions that you, majority of us here, are not having to answer or think about. But these people are thinking about it and they are combining it and they are loving the Lord and they are serving the Lord. Man, heaven will be full of surprises. Because I feel that those kids are like angels. And God just planted one of those angels in your home to take care of. That's fun. And there's, there's reward to taking care of those kind of kids. Uh, praise God. Uh, so people in sin always want other people to join them in sin. And uh, of course, when God showed up on the scene in Genesis 3, that party between, <laughs> between the devil and Adam and Eve was broken up. The party was broken because everybody got their punishment and everybody had to go face their own music and dance to it. But we're going to look at how Jesus responded in Matthew chapter 4, 1 to 10. How did Jesus respond? Because he said, I mean, in Isaiah we read that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. So, if that's all going, if we're going to now be like God, then we... We need to start thinking like God. Let's see how Jesus responded in Matthew 4. He said, Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's like an oxymoron. God led Jesus to be tempted. That's God himself is leading Jesus to go get tempted by the devil. You would have thought that God would take Jesus away from the temptation. But he didn't do that. He led him up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And truly the devil showed up. When, and this was in the middle of a fast. 40 days fast. After that you should be seeing angels. They should be climbing up and down the ladder and saying, oh, what do you want? Let's get them for you. But that was not the case here. The devil was what showed up. And he says, after 40 days and 40 nights, when he was probably physically very weak, he hadn't eaten, he was hungry. The Bible says he was hungry because he was like in the flesh like us. And when the tempter came to him, how did he come? His thoughts. The tempter came to Jesus, bombarding his thought pattern and saying to him, If thou be the Son of God, is it the devil that needs to identify Jesus to himself? It's like somebody saying to me, My father's name is Robert, saying, If you be the daughter of Robert, you don't need to tell me that I know Robert is my dad. You don't need to tell me who my dad is. But he's coming to him and saying, If thou be the son of God, command these stones to be made bread. Was he able to do that? Yes. Did he need to do that? No. He knew the source of that speech. It's just like when the apostles, when in, 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 uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, when they were going about and there were this group of people that were saying, They are the men of God. They are the servants of God. Listen to them. 
And the apostles had to turn and say, we rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You have to identify the spirit that is speaking to you. When the thoughts come to your head, they might look so good, they might be fantastic, they might be a scripture even. I mean, I've seen people pray scriptures saying uh, stuff uh, like maybe, I don't want to mention churches or names of places. I've seen people say that literally their enemies should burn down and die, you know, and just fall and die physically, not a spiritual issue. You need to know where the thoughts are coming from. If you don't, then they will build a, a stronghold there for you. And then the temptation will really overtake you. The thoughts that the devil was throwing at Jesus. The Bible says the tempter came to him in his thoughts. I'm adding that. In his thoughts. And he says, if thou be the son of God. That's red flag there. Nobody else needs to tell me whose child I am. If there is a dispute about whether my father is Robert, the DNA would fix that. So I don't need somebody else telling me, are you sure you are the daughter of ABC? No. Jesus knew who he was. He knew who he was, that he was the son of God. So he didn't need Satan coming to say, you are the son of God. So do this. So he knew that was a red flag. He, he kind of figured out, okay, no, I'm not going to listen to you. But he didn't waste time. If you look at Genesis chapter 3, Eve spent almost five verses communicating with the devil. In this one, as soon as the devil brought that thought, Jesus shut him down. He says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. He shut that thought down immediately. And the devil knew there was no way forward in that thought pattern. And the devil said, okay, okay, he won this. Uh, and then the devil, verse 5, taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. What I pictured there was the person who the devil could use could even be in church doing hallelujah and all that. Meanwhile, they might not even know they are working for the devil and they'll be telling you, giving you some kind of advice that is demonic. It's straight from the pit of hell. That's why the Bible says, test every spirit. So not because everybody's shouting hallelujah I'm not saying be scared of one another. Yeah, I mean, fellowship here is great. I'm not saying, but somebody tells you something that is contrary to what you know and what your spirit is saying. Check it. Don't just give in and say, oh, like Pastor Angela was saying on Sunday. I don't know if you listened to that sermon again. I did. And she was saying that even if I say something to you and it doesn't sit well with you, check it. The Berean Christians did that. Just go check it up. And pray about it. The Lord would open your eyes. I tell my kids in Sunday school, in children's church, I said, God is not a grandpa. He doesn't have grandkids. He has sons and daughters. So if he showed someone something, then he's able to show it to you. I remember when I, I used to walk in, in church. And so, of course, you walk in church. Uh, you're there for every service and all that. And I had my Bible open to Ruth. 
I was reading through the book of Ruth at that time. There was a man of God that came to visit the church. And he was walking past my table. And he saw, he saw the scripture I, had, I was reading. I said, Gladys, you're reading this scripture? Do you know that's the text for tonight? I laughed because God is his God and God is my God and God is your God. So if he's showing you something, he could show it to me as well. So when you get maybe a word of prophecy, you still need to pray over it. You, need, you still need to, 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 to go before God about it and not say, he said that, therefore, no. We remember the, the, the guy in the Bible that the, 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 the prophet went to and said, put your house together. You're dying. I don't think that guy exchanged so much words with the prophet. He didn't say it was a lie. He just turned and faced God and said, I don't want to die. Add to my years. And 15 more years were added. He didn't have any business. He, he wasn't even accusing the prophet. Was the, was the word a lie? No, it wasn't. It was true, but the guy was not ready to die. So he faced God and settled his business with God. Brethren, Jesus was taken by the devil to the holy city. Which means it was supposed to be a holy place, a righteous place, a place you expect that only the truth will come out. And then he said to him, took him to the pinnacle of the temple, pinnacle of the church, to the roof of this church, or to the roof of another church, not here. And he said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Was God able to do that? Yes. But who was speaking? Because the character of the thought that you have is the character of the person that is speaking the word to you. So if God is speaking the word to you, that word carries the character of God. If the devil is speaking it to you, I don't care if he's quoting a scripture, it is the devilish character that he carries. And that begins to form. Our thoughts begin to form the things. And you begin to see it. I'm telling you, that picture that I saw on my phone began to form scenarios in my mind. When you, when you think about something, when a word comes to you, somebody speaks a word to you, it's, it's, it's creating a thought. I don't know about you, but I paint a picture. Have you ever, maybe somebody described somebody else to you, and you already painted a picture of how the person would look, and eventually you see the person, you say, man, you don't even look anything like I thought you would look. How did you come about thinking about that person like that? Because of the description that they have given to you. If they tell you somebody is mean, maybe you want to start work with somebody and they say, oh, that guy is very mean, be careful, blah, 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 blah. And then you get to your job and he becomes the nicest person. He's very respectful. And then you're wondering, oh, he's not anything like I thought. Because in your mind, you already created an image of that person. So the words that we hear creates an image in our thought pattern. And the devil knows that. So he throws those thoughts at us so that we can create that bad image and begin to work with it. In this instance, he was telling him to throw himself down. That angels would, take, would pick him. Would angels have helped him? Yes. The, Jesus raised the dead. Jesus does all sorts of miracles. All manner of miracles. People came to his meeting. Nobody went back sick. Nobody went back oppressed. That's the kind of person we are talking about. So he knows that that's a small fry. But he knew the character of the person who was throwing that thought at him was a no good character. And guess what? 
Jesus said back to him, his own word, just like in phrases, said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What are you responding back to the thoughts that the enemy brings to you? You've got to checkmate. And that's why you will talk about the things, hopefully, we'll talk about the things that we need to do. Let me quickly just run through this one. He says, and the devil taketh him up into, after doing that first one, the second one, seeing that he's not budging. This is Jesus Christ we are talking about. How much more us? He was doing this back to back, back to back with Jesus. He came again and said, see this whole mountain and shows it to him because he knew who he was, that he was his Christ. He is the owner of everything. So the devil had no business coming to show him anything and telling him, if you do this and this will happen to you. He says, and he said to him, all these things I will give thee. Who owns them? God owns them. And the devil is saying, it's his own now to give. No, it's not, it's not his own. I refuse. He said, if thou will fall down and worship me. Jesus did not even contest the ownership. Because he knew at some point, Adam handed the key of this world to the devil. He did not contest that ownership. He just said to him, he says, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. What word do you have to counter the things that the enemy throws at you? I just want to advise tonight, if there is anything you're going through, just like Pastor Angela prepared all these uh, scriptures, they're up there in front. Pick them up. Pick up your Bible. The Bible is on your phone. You Google something, you put it in the search thing, it will pull up every scripture, the promises of God concerning you, concerning that issue. And you would stand upon it, not just by saying it. You would make sure by the time you say it over and over again, when they wake you up from your sleep, that's what comes out of your mouth. That's what comes, because that's what's in your heart. Whatever is in your heart, the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever is inside your heart, if there is nothing there, if all that is there is worldly thoughts, thoughts that the enemy has, you know, thrown at you, then that's all that you're going to be getting. So let's quickly go, go into how to fix those thoughts, because that's really what's important. We see how Jesus answered the devil. We see how uh, Eve answered the devil. They were both being tempted and uh, Jesus knew how to respond. Eve didn't even know the word. She couldn't quote it correctly. So she got slammed there. And that's why we are here we are, where we are now. The Bible says in uh, Proverbs 4.23, it says, guard your mind, guard your heart, guard your, 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 your intellect, guide, guard it. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. You're going to guard your heart. You know how you say you are guarding something? If I have an egg here now, raw egg, I'm going to be very careful so it doesn't roll off, because if it does, it's going to break and going to make a mess here. So you're going to guard your heart. That means you're going to be at attention. So when the thoughts are coming in, is this of God? Should I actually listen to this? No. doesn't sound like God. This is what the Word of God says. And then you counter it. So you are on guard at all times. Don't let go and say, Oh, I'm in the midst of uh, my friends. We're all Christians. No. Guard your heart. Because 
That's where all the issues of life come from. That's where every other thing comes from. If you don't guard it, then the enemy will settle there. Uh, will settle there and really take you into a rabbit hole. You don't want to go there. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. That's what the message says. It says that's where life starts from your thought process. That's where life starts. So you've got to guard it, protect it. Don't let it, you know, uh, as I started, <laughs> started learning how to, doing, uh, how to box. So she's going to a boxing uh, thing now. And I see them guarding. Even before they wear those gloves, I didn't know there's something they, else they have to wear. Can't even remember the name. You wrap it to protect your knuckles and then you put your hands inside that thing. All this is to protect your knuckles. That's just physical. Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Renew your mind. Now, there are things, like Pastor Angela was talking about strongholds. There are things that have become a stronghold. You, already, you are always drift towards that side. Whenever anything happens, you're going towards that, that end. Because that's what has, been, has become a habit for you. So for such situations, you're going to take the word of God. And begin to read it and say to yourself, let me take an example from uh, Pastor Angela's um, write-up, the scriptures. Just the first one, he says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. So, that scripture, maybe the enemy, maybe you're tempted to steal somebody's uh, pen, for instance. That's really small. Uh, tempted to steal their checkbook. And you're telling yourself, that girl that used to do that before has been crucified with Christ. That's not the person that the devil is seeing now. I refuse to be a partaker of that theft. I refuse to, to steal. I refuse to sin against God. You start saying that over and over and over again. And when the devil sees that you didn't take that checkbook, then maybe it's the camera. He goes, you know, nobody's in the church auditorium you can steal that camera nobody will know who took it turn it off steal it take it away and you quote that scripture again you don't have to know many scriptures and you say no that girl that used to do that is no longer alive she's been crucified with christ and you keep saying that by the time the devil does it a couple more times he knows that okay stealing is no longer the issue so let me go on to another thing. You've got to renew your mind. And it says in Romans 12, 2a, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You've got to be transformed. You've got to, to renew your mind. That's the only way to beat the devil at his, his tricks. The third one says, Pray. I'm kind of trying to rush through it. We're going to settle in one of the verses later. Pray. You've got to pray. Uh, let's look at 1 Thessalonians 5:16 to 18. It says, Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. I want to Stop there for a minute. He says, pray at all times. Be cheerful at all times. So, even if you're, you're having a bad day, pray at all times. Can you be praying and actually quarreling with somebody at the same time? No. 
Can you be cheerful and angry at the same time? No. And he's saying, do this all the time. Do this all the time. It's really hard. I can tell you that because sometimes some people, uh, was it um, Pastor Bill was saying something here about families. I don't know what he said. He said something about families can be... I think we're going to pray for somebody. He said, the fam- okay, they lost someone and the family is, you know, creating a mess. The people you love the most, they are the ones that hurt you the most. From my own little experience, they are the ones that could, that have the capacity to hurt you. If I go out there now and somebody I don't know drives their car and just splash water on me, I can excuse the person and say, oh, he probably didn't see me or she didn't see me. Okay. But if uh, maybe my mom sees me and drives her car and splashes water on me. I'll say, ah, that, that was mean. She saw me. She knew me. She can't say she didn't see me. She can't say she didn't know me. It, it's more painful that way. I'm just, that's a very light example. So the words that family members speak to you or the things that they do to you sometimes can be more hurtful than when a total stranger does it to you. Uh, you are not disappointed because you don't even know them, so you can't even hold them to it. But people that you really know and love, then it's a little painful. It says, but be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. How many of us pray all the time? Because we won't have time for any other thing. We won't have time for gossip. We won't have time for saying somebody looked at us one way or the other. We won't have time to say, oh, um... Even at our jobs, sometimes some people probably get to know how much you get paid and they get angry about that and say, you know, they tell us, don't tell people what you earn. But some people get to know anyway and then they are upset that somebody earns more than them. I do more work and all that. But if you're actually praying, would you be busy doing that? Because I, I see that God is the one that puts whatever you get in life, God gave it to you. If he hasn't given it to you, you probably don't, don't need it for that time. But when you need it, I've seen God. I'm telling you, I've seen God as Jehovah Jireh. I was going to go to Nigeria. That's just an aside thing. Um, last in January, I was talking to a friend and she said, Oh, you're going to Nigeria. Okay. Before I could say Jack, she had sent me some money. The one that even beats my imagination was when someone calls me and says, someone wants to give you money anonymously. I said, is this someone I know? She said, maybe, I don't know, but she says she wants to do it anonymously because you are going to Nigeria. And somebody says that, I don't know the person. So I'm thinking, maybe a hundred dollars. Um... Do you have Zelle? I said, yes. She said, what do you use? Your email? I said, both. She said, okay. And then I look at my account. I get $1,000. In fact, for that trip, people gave me, that didn't know me, gave me about $4,000. I, I just couldn't be, it was like my ticket, everything was paid for. It just for that, in fact, when I was sharing with a friend, she said, now I know God actually asked you to go to Nigeria anonymously people were giving me money. I don't know them. I can't even say thank you to them. 
So I know God as Jehovah Jireh, which means no matter where you are. And I was looking at the ticket fare. I was looking at everything. You know, when you're going to Nigeria, as uh, Teresa could attest to it, there's so many things you want to get in place and all that. So it's not just your ticket. I was thinking about all that. But when God said go, I didn't have the money. I only had the money to pay my ticket. I paid the ticket and I was saying, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. And one by one, I didn't ask them. The other person, I don't even know. So how much more? There's that song we sang here on Sunday. If he clothes the lilies, how much more you? How much more me? He's able to do that. He's too faithful to fail us. Anyway, he says, be cheerful no matter what. No matter what you're going through, be cheerful. Pray always. Because when you're doing that, then you don't have time for the thoughts of the enemy to settle in. Number four, believe. It says for the Second um, Corinthians 10, 4 to 6. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pulling down strongholds. What are these strongholds? Casting down imaginations, your thinking, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience. Guess when? When your obedience is fulfilled. Because we are ready to quote this scripture, we are ready to say, we're casting down, we're doing that, but your own obedience needs to be fulfilled. So you need to dwell in the word of God. Pray the word of God. Stay in the word of God. Your thought begins to... I'm telling you, when you think it, you begin to think it uh, and you begin to see it. You think it and that's what comes out of your mouth and then you see it. But when you can't think it, you can't imagine it, then... Nothing is happening. Only the thoughts of the enemy. And the enemy knows how to. Look at what he did. Look at how he messed up Eve and Adam. He messed them up because Eve could not, did not understand what God said and just fell flat and began to say the, flu, fruit, the fruit is good uh, to eat. Something you haven't tasted. You're already salivating and saying, oh, it's good. I can eat it. It's sweet. How did you know it's sweet? The devil makes it look like it's going to be sweet. It's a lie. The devil has no good thing. He's come to kill, to steal, to destroy. Those are his three assignments. So if he's not stealing from you, he's killing. If he's not killing, he's destroying. He's doing one of his, those are his assignments. And our job is to stop him. In fact, not only stop him in our own lives, stop him in your environment. There used to be, uh, long ago, I used to pray, I, I think I stopped praying that prayer for a while now. I used to pray, I say, I take authority over 10 miles radius of where I am. Wherever I am, 10 miles radius, the devil, you are not allowed to operate. I, I keep praying that. Every day I stand and one of my friends said, man, you're really blocking him. I said, yes, he has no right to come into my space, into my environment. And um, Philippians 4, 6 to 8, that's where we want to settle down. And just talk for five minutes. It says, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. Remember, all these things are good, good things the Bible is talking about. Then it now goes, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So there are some things that can be true, they can be honest, they can be just, they can be pure, they can be lovely, of good report, but may not have virtue. They may not have virtue, they may not be praiseworthy, then don't think on them. All those characteristics, they have to line up. So when the thoughts come to you, first of all, is this thought a good thought? Is it true? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it of a good report? Okay. Is there any virtue here? And if there is, is there anything praiseworthy? And who are we praising? God, not you. Not, not doing things so that people can praise you. Is this thing going to give praise to God? There are some... Uh, I remember when, um, when I was in mission school, we had these uh, missionaries talking to us and they said they went somewhere and they, uh, they tell us when you go somewhere, whatever food they give you, eat it so that the people... Uh, would because if you eat their food then they feel that you are part of them and then they want to walk with you so it might not look lovely it might not um, it, but because you're going to bring praise to God you eat that food because you want to reach those people it might, it might, it might be that one missionary told us they brought some kind of uh, insect and they brought the insect and he didn't know he wasn't supposed to eat the legs, so he, he prayed and prayed and just put everything in his mouth and ate it and just like and then they said and then the people say, Oh no, you were not supposed to eat the leg and he said, How was I supposed to know? I didn't know that. I, I, I didn't know that. But finally, brethren, this is Paul's admonition to us. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue. Not, don't stop at being honest, because when the devil was talking to Jesus, those were scriptures he was quoting. Are those scriptures true? They are. Are they honest? They are. But what was the gain? He was trying to sidetrack God. He was trying to become God. He said, bow down before me. And Jesus said, uh-uh, it's not gelling. I'm not supposed to worship any other God but God. I can't worship you to get anything. Even though he was claiming ownership of the earth. And, the devils, and Jesus said, no, this, this thing doesn't have virtue. And it's not going to give praise to God. So whatever you are thinking... Whatever the thought process, the thoughts that you are having, make sure that those things are going to bring glory to God. And for those thoughts that have taken a hold of you, that have become a stronghold, some things, because every action we do, 
all emanates from a thought. So those things that you are doing that are not right, it's coming from your thoughts. So those thoughts that have actually, you know, been fixed in your mind, you're going to sit down, take your Bible, knock them one after the other. It might not happen that same day. It takes a while. But when, like for Jesus, look, imagine, three times. And the Bible says, and the devil went away. I don't think he went away forever. You think he went away forever? The devil lived him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. That's what Eve would have received if she had knocked the devil off. Angels would have ministered to her. The devil went, but that's not the end. He would still show up. If, if that was the end, then we didn't need to fight any devils anymore. We, we, we should be cool. But that was not the end. The devil still tries till today to get us to be sidetracked from the thought process of God. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts and that's what we should push to have. When we have the kind of thoughts, the mind of Christ, the mind of God, then every other thing is going to fall in place. So if your day is not going good, things are not looking right, maybe there's sickness here or there's lack of money somewhere and all that, there's no permission to be sad and to be angry. The permission we have is to be cheerful and take everything to God in prayer. There's a hymn that says, take everything to God in prayer. Take it to Him in prayer. Because in that prayer, you, learn, you, you feel so light, so much lighter. Like I shared with you, that picture was getting me depressed. But if I took another picture, if somebody sent another picture that day to me, it, I probably wouldn't see anything physically different. But... I knew God was working. And truly, I can testify that even just hearing his voice, I can testify that God is at work in him. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, brethren, don't feel, don't let the devil weigh you down with those thoughts. Because that's his job. His job is to bring those thoughts. But our job is to knock them off. That saying that says, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but... You can stop them from building a nest on your head. So don't let the thoughts that the enemy brings to you settle in. Jesus did not even give it space. He brings one, he knocks it. He brings another one, he knocks it. He brings another one, he knocks it. With the word, correct word. Word that was rightly divided. That's what you need to speak. So those scriptures and the ones that you will pull up yourself, you're going to knock down every stronghold. Every stronghold. Christ is enough for us. We sang that tonight. He is more than enough for us. His word is more than enough for us. We don't need no other thing but the word of God. And if we can think it, we can bring it to existence. We can create it with our thought process. We can bring it to pass by thinking it. When you think it and you hold on to that word, it will come to pass. So we're going to bow down tonight. You think about maybe one particular area of your life that the enemy has been attacking it could be your mind it could be your finances it could be your family it could be your health whatever that area is think about a scripture that gives you that promise that that thing that the devil is doing is a lie he only lies he's the father of lies everything he does is a lie i don't care if he quotes the scripture he is lying because he's telling you in a different way so bow down your heads tonight and talk to god tell god that that lie has to go. Rebuke that lie. Use the word of God to rebuke that lie away from your life.
in the name of Jesus. It could be fear of something. It could be anything that the enemy has thrown at you. Fear of not living long. Fear of um, being evicted from your home. Fear of your children not reconciling with you. Fear of you not seeing your loved ones again and all that. Fear of, oh, this um, situation is so bad. I can't, it's so hopeless. Nothing can bring anybody out of it. That could be what the enemy is throwing at you. But the Bible tells us, casting all our cares upon him, First Peter 5, 7, because he cares for us. He cares for you so much that he cannot allow those bad things to happen. You're going to think on those words, the words of God. What did he say to you personally? He says, I will supply all your needs according to, he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. That's his word for you. Whether you're on a fixed income or not, he's able to supply. I just shared my testimony. I'm almost like on a fixed income, but God showed up for me. He can show up for you. He's not a respecter of anybody. He can do what no other person can do for you. And the devil wants to make us believe that that's not possible. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God is able to provide for you. He's able to put you in the position, maybe at your job, it's a position that you think you are not even qualified for. God is the one that qualifies you and says, you need my daughter, my son, this is where you need to be. He's able to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. Lord, we bless you because we know that you have taught us something tonight. And we're going to go to war with it. We will stop the enemy at every point in our lives in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Even as we go, keep us safe in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.